Thank you, Lord. Well, they didn't expect a whole lot because they gave me a room and they gave me a runway all kind of size. How many of y'all in here from Providence? Okay, for those of y'all listening at home, the tape hasn't started yet. There are none here from Providence. I want y'all to know that. Providence want to hear this mess. Um, I'm sorry. Um, how many from New York? Okay. I love New York. Not as much as Philly, but I love New York. Because I'm from Philly. But I love Sam and Cynthia Powell. Sam baptized me. Back when we both had different hair. <laughs> or some. <laughs> he, baptized, he baptized me in April 22nd, 1982. He was the campus minister in Tallahassee, Florida. How many of y'all in Boston? Oh my God, Boston's big. Y'all taking over. Who's in Boston I know? Oh Lord, everybody came from Boston. Well, Douglas is there now, right? Arthur. Okay, tape's on. I won't tell no Douglas secrets. Nah. Uh-uh, that's my buddy. This is like You can do anything you want, bro. Let me tell you something. I am. I am. I this. I do not own anything in here. Okay, there's got to be a way. Oh, there we go. Almost made me think they had those legs stuck in there, didn't they? He says you're a spitter. That's why he's moving back. Who said that? That's what Mike just said. Mike! Mike! Yes, Mike! Come on, homie. Yeah, I love you too, bro. With the love of the Lord. Wait a minute. It's genetic, bro. It's genetic. That's what I'm saying. It's genetic. Oh, that's cold blood. What other cities I miss? I don't know any other cities up there. New Hampshire. Vermont. Vermont. Maine. Yeah, Florida. Florida's in the house. Mass. Any Connecticut's? We're in Connecticut. Hartford. I have a daughter in New Haven. I'm in New Haven. You're in New Haven? Okay, I have a daughter in New Haven. We're going to talk about her. And a man. Um, I'll talk about all of them. I got, you know, kids. With an S. With an S. Yeah. My wife and I desired to have two kids. That We had wanted the perfect new girl. We were going to have two kids, man, and we're going to be done. The second one brought a friend. The second one said, said I'm not coming by myself. You get a BOGO. <laughs> Buy one, get one. <laughs> and they just charge you for both. <laughs> Insurance is crazy. All right. I don't know how this stuff works. Let's try number one. All right. Ooh. So we're No, I'm not, I am not pushing off. <laughs> Can y'all see in the back? The projector is really cool, but I don't know what they do with these giant things. 
Thanks for coming to the class today. Um, my name is Stephen Bowen, um, mainly because that's what it says. I'm taking the place of Guy Hammond, who was supposed to be here, but I, many of y'all I know have been praying for the Hammond family. Super, super appreciative of that. Uh, it's an incredibly challenging situation, as you could well imagine, to watch your wife leave this world to go see Jesus. Um, it's been one of the most, it's been one of the hardest and most heartwarming times I think I've seen in a long time in the kingdom. Um, you know, it's, it's hard because you're watching a great friend leave this world with a terminal disease. Heartwarming because you're watching a great friend look forward to leaving this world with a terminal disease. And if it's been any inspiration to all of us that work with the Hammonds, and I hope you've been able to subscribe, get some of his videos, is she's showing how you go, how you leave this world. That you go, no, I'm ready. And I'm looking forward to it. And isn't this why we did what we did? And are doing what we're doing? Yes, to help others get to heaven while we're here, but to say, I want to go too. You know, it's one of those things, if you've ever had a near-death experience, and I had one just this last year, um, you start to realize not only what's important, but the scriptures that Paul talks about, uh, you know, we're in the body, but I long to be out of the body, but while I'm here, it makes you start to go, oh, I totally get that concept. Yes, I get, okay, when, you, when it becomes more real, hi there. Talking to Mike. You can't hear me? I will be loud. Oh, they're talking loud over there? Yeah. Oh, tell them to shut up. Just tell them to shut up. No, just kidding. Um, you know, when, when it's a thing that you, you start to really see what's important. But you also start to understand, you know, I'm going to have the result of my faith come real. I'll be able to see Jesus, which we're all going to do it, Right? You know, the consequence of life is death. As somebody once said, you're not going to get out of this thing alive. Um, The question is, what happens when this is done? Are we going to be sure that we make it all the way to the end of the race? And have faith saying, I faithfully look forward to meeting my Lord. That's a big deal. But that's not what we're here to talk about. I can do that later. Okay, super grateful for the opportunity to share some thoughts with you today. Got an hour. Um, I'm going to honor your time. Uh, no way I can hit everything in an hour. I mean, we at Strength and Weakness do weekend workshops for a lot of this. And even then, we probably can't cover the sum total of things that we have experienced or researched or learned or experienced. But it's in hope something that I'll, I'll give you a chance to just um, have a better idea of how to help our brothers and sisters in the kingdom and our families and also those that you may meet along the way outside of the church and give them the best opportunity you can to know Jesus. Amen. If that's okay with you. A little bit about strength and weakness. We have three primary purposes. One is to help Christians who live with unwanted same-sex attraction. And we say unwanted same-sex attraction. Second is to help Christian parents who have LGBT children. And that's the part I'll talk about later. My wife and I head up that part of strength and weakness. And also we want to serve 
as an educational tool that, that, that serves the church, educating Christians on what is an incredibly complex topic, same-sex attraction, sexual identity, and transgender issues. And we really, we really try to deal with that. I want to start with a couple of questions. And I don't know why I kept this um, stupid gum in my mouth. That was stupid. Um, first question. How many of you in this room have an LGBT member of your family? Raise your hand. Wow. Okay. No, I'm going to stand up. That's what it said, didn't it? I was, I, I was going to be nice. Now I'm not going to be nice. If you have an LGBT member of your family, how many of you have an LGBT friend, co-worker, or neighbor? You stand up. Okay, look around. If I did this at the end meeting, have a seat. If I did this at the meeting tonight, ask those same questions, this same percentage would stand up. Same percentage would stand up. It's important for us to understand this is a topic in a lot of ways we have shied away from um, and in some ways taken unbiblical stances on. And Strength and Weakness wants to help with that. If you've never seen Strength and Weakness, this is the Motley crew. Most people know Guy and they know Kathy. Well, here's our executive staff. And we have a cross-section of old folks like me down the millennials um, that cover different areas. In those areas, you have Guy and Kathy Hammond who founded Strength and Weakness. As you know, many of y'all know his story. He lived life as an openly gay man, uh, was met, came to church, studied the Bible, realized that Jesus was the way and that he couldn't live that way and has not since his 20s engaged in any homosexual activity. Married Kathy, his beautiful wife, had four kids, um, and now they're going through an incredibly hard time. Kathy now with terminal cancer, been given weeks, days to weeks to live now. Um, But that's who started Strength and He started Strength and Weakness hoping he could help, help maybe 30 people. He has to date helped thousands. Strength and Weakness has helped thousands of Christians around the world. And I'm not even talking about the families that we get to work with. Um, now we have Brandon Redler. I don't know if any of y'all know Brandon. Brandon's an incredible young man out of Orlando, Florida. we grabbing that Florida thing, you know. Um, now he lives in California. Uh, he was a Disney uh, accountant. Uh, got promoted. Disney took him to headquarters. And then Netflix snarfed him. And he's in Kevin and Trey's Holland's ministry over there. But when Brandon came to church, he's handling our transgender healing ministry. Because when he came to church, he came to church as a fully transgender woman. Wow. Now, fully means fully. Yes. He wasn't transvestite. Transsexual. He went through the surgery, the whole bit. He was living as a woman. Came to the church in Orlando, started studying with the women. Eventually, people said, hey, what? we got to ask some questions. He came clean, started studying with the guys, studied the Bible, realized that he was wrong and God was right. Wow, that's amazing. Went back to living as what God genetically created him to his first. Wow. 
Okay? I know you got questions. I ain't answering those questions. <laughs> there you are. Because I, you know, I don't ask those questions. But Brandon, to hear Brandon speak, if, if you've never had a chance to speak, hear Brandon speak, it will blow your mind. Incredible spiritual guy. Faithful to God. And just all he's gone through shows the power of Jesus in any dire situation. Incredible. Then we have Mike Yeager. He heads up our teen and campus uh, same-sex attraction ministries and the support groups that go with that. Um, so he takes care of all those millennials that us old guys say we don't understand, um, even though our kids are that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Morgan Roberts. Morgan heads up all of our support groups and then specifically oversees the women's ministry within Strength and Weakness. Um, handling same-sex attraction. Uh, all of the people that you've just seen with set for Kathy have our same-sex attracted on the strength and weakness side, doing incredibly well, faithful disciples, and they help other disciples with unwanted same-sex attraction. Um, she just had a baby five months ago, married an incredible brother who is a phenomenal rapper. They live in San Diego. We're kind of spread all over. Uh, Guy and Kathy are in Canada. I'm in Florida. Jaeger's in, I think, North Carolina. Um, she's in San Diego. Sister that works with me is another one in Canada. We're kind of spread throughout. We have a brother that works with the HIV ministries in New York. Um, so we're kind of everywhere. Um, but that's because Guy has strove to amass a group who is faithful to Jesus and understands this issue. Faithful to Jesus is the first thing. Right. And with a proven track record. You know, so, and Morgan does a phenomenal job. Uh, she's another sister. If you ever get a chance to hear her speak, I would be there. Um, then, of course, you have those two beautiful, beautiful women and the guy they just wanted in there for comic relief. And uh, so over on the other side, in the box, not mine, uh, that's Kathy McBride. She works with Deb and I to help lead the family and parenting ministry. Uh, she sits in a, ver- in, in a very unique space. She was the child of a lesbian, and she's the mother of a lesbian. And so she understands what it's like to grow up in a same-sex household, LGBTQ household, but she also knows what it's like to have, be the parent of one. Um, Deb and I, you know, that's, that's my beautiful wife. I wish you could meet her. Uh, she would probably help you more than I do. I sit up here and do all this. She speaks for about two minutes, and y'all leave and say, that was the most incredible time I've had in my life. That woman changed my life. Uh, you know, that's just how, if you're married brothers, you know the deal. Uh, don't even act like you don't. So I'm not even going to fake that one at all. But uh, give you a little bit of my particular background. Um, I was born in Philadelphia, inner city Philly, North Philly specifically. If you ever been there, if you were, you were going through there because you were lost. Um, <laughs> left Philly, went to school in Tallahassee, Florida, Florida A&M University. I went down there to be in what they call the Marching 100, if any of y'all are acquainted with that craziness. I uh, thought I was going to be a star. Uh, I originally majored in music, but ended up, after I quit school, I met Deb, and Deb gave me an option. You can go back to school or go to work, and at that young, tender age, work was not the thing I wanted to do. Uh, so I went back to school and uh, ended up getting my degree in applied mathematics with a minor in chemistry and a minor in music. Um, we were converted in college, while married, moved to Atlanta um, 
to be with Sam and Jerry when they first started the Atlanta church back in the 80s. I moved there in 82, July of 82. I was working for the Bell System. I designed voice and data networks for Bell. Stayed with Sam and Jerry until Sam and Jerry decided to plant the church in Miami in 89. And that's when we were asked to go into the full-time ministry to plant North Miami. And Deb and I answered that call. I resigned from Bell. We moved to Miami um, in 89 to be in the full-time ministry. In 91, we were appointed evangelist and women's ministry leader by Sam and Jerry. Um, And Sam eventually moved up to, that was his move to New York at that point. And then Phil and Donna Lamb came in. We served with them for, till at least 2003, Central and South America. Um, I was mainly in that AMS space. Um, we had a group called Colorblind, if anybody's ever heard of that. Um, early, early days, we, we were in the group 238, for you real old timers. Um, yeah, that goes back, doesn't it? Um, God has blessed us to be in some very unique pieces. Um, we were arguably in the first band in the kingdom and in the first gospel choir in the kingdom. Um, and so I come out of a gospel background, performed with James Cleveland at, at a time when I was a young guy, that kind of a world. For those of y'all that know that, if you don't, don't worry about it, Google it. Um, you know, served in South Florida, moved to Nashville, ended up in L.A., Spent five years in L.A. and Orange County, and then in 2003, we decided to get out of the ministry. And my wife's health was such um, that we felt like that was the best move, so we moved back to the, the right coast and uh, in Tallahassee and uh, decided to do that. But what did that, and this is our family. We have an incredible, crazy family. Um, those are the, the twins are the little girl in the glasses and the really big guy in the glasses back there. They're 26 years old currently. Next to my beautiful wife is our oldest daughter. She is 32. And she's in D.C. uh, working for one of these government things that I don't talk about. Um, But yeah, so what really got us to be chosen by Guy and Kathy to be in um, Strength and Weakness is that our family expanded. And what you see there are the wives of my daughters. Both my daughters are married to women. And it's something that I I can tell you is not what was, it's not the world we would have planned for our family. And I share our background because I want you to understand that we never know what God's going to do in a life. And we don't know, however well we plan it, how we do all the things that cross the spiritual T's and dot the spiritual I's. You don't know what's around the corner. And sometimes God does things to prepare you and to get you in a space and use what maybe Satan wanted for something evil to create in you something good. Something that is needed by more than you, but definitely needed by you. And, you know, and so going through this was incredibly hard. Um, it's definitely not what we wanted, but it's not the life we dreamed of, but we really believe we're running the race God has set before us. Yes. And I can truly tell you, Deb and I have learned things through this that we would have never, ever, ever learned had we not gone through this. That it forced us to get closer to Jesus and refined our characters in ways that we would never be able to have seen needed to be refined if this hadn't happened. 
And so we're incredible. Our relationship with our kids is the best it's ever been. And all our kids are kingdom kids. So nobody's immune. We had the family devos. I was full-time ministry. You know, no family's immune to this topic. We're incredibly close to our kids and we're super close to their partners. This is my family. And this is the group that I rely on when we have to make big announcements and make big decisions. I expect everybody to be on board. You know, because that's where we are. Because I'm called to love more than I'm called to judge. And so that's us. That's our story. Um, and I'm sticking to it. So where do we <laughs> He loved that, doesn't he? So where do we start? I believe we start, number one, when we deal with this subject, is with a heart of love. We believe that before we can address this issue, we have to build a foundation. And, and many times, the way that we handle a situation that is new or foreign to us is based on the foundation of our values. It's based on the foundation of our convictions, on our experiences, and our upbringings first. To deal with the LGBT issues that may confront our lives, we need to have a strong foundation. Now, I'm not here to tell you what to do, and because that, that's impossible. There are too many individual nuances and pieces that go into your life or the life of the people you deal with to address every personal situation. But what I will attempt to do is give you perspective as we see it. And as people both with same-sex attraction and dealing with families and our own families with same-sex attraction, to give you pieces that will help you work through some of these issues that can be multi-layered, multifaceted, and incredibly challenging. See, because there's a big difference from, from, from this thing being a concept to it being something you have to live with every day. And it is very, it's, it's very complicated, and it needs to be traversed in a very careful, prayerful, thoughtful, spiritual, and righteous process. But the first thing you understand, strength and weakness was designed, and Guy has, done, Guy has done a phenomenal job. If you haven't read any of his books, you should get at least carrying beyond, you know, the uh, margins. margins. I just went blank because I'm old. Um, carrying beyond the margins. He did thriving beyond the margins. He's come up with some other ones. But it, it, is, it will help you get a very strong foundation of dealing with this issue, especially as you try to help our brothers and sisters. Right? And so I think it's on sale at the I, at the book table, along with so I would get that um, because it is worth it is worth the read. But the first thing I understand where where we stand in strength and weakness is we follow a biblical sexual ethic. We are not a group that says it's okay because the Bible doesn't say that. You know what does the Bible say about homosexuality? These are the scriptures. Hello, sir. That brother from Atlanta is at every, everything taking pictures. Um, he's known by more people in the kingdom. I think Jesus is only known more. So, that's Jack. Everybody knows Jack. Everybody knows Jack. Come on. Uh, <laughs> a camera or a baby. That's it. That's him. And so... That's the original selfie, baby. And so... What does the Bible say? These are the five scriptures. Most of y'all know them. Read them. I'm not going to take time to read it. Look, we, you know, you know what I'm talking about. 
But these are the five scriptures that directly deal with homosexuality. That's what it teaches. Any kind of sexual, but we know the Bible's biblical ethic is any kind of sexual intimacy outside of heterosexual relationship with a man and a woman bound together in marriage is sinful. That's what the Bible teaches. When it comes to the biblical worldview, a heterosexual monogamous relationship as first presented as Genesis is the only model of sexual behavior consistently praised. In both the Old Testament and New Testament. Now, there are other forms that are of sexual behavior, like polygamy, that are allowed in the Old Testament. A committed relationship, though, between husband and wife is the standard upheld as the ideal throughout all Scripture. And not once, not once, is homosexuality ever praised or left as an example of something that should be emulated. Strength and weakness takes that stand. Now, understand, although there are only five scriptures, there's a lot we can learn from it. These scriptures come from both the Old and New Testament. These scriptures are written thousands of years apart. They're written from very different cultures. Now, why is that even important? It's because today, people will say that the Bible is old and out of touch. And with the day's culture and thousands of years ago, so it was written back then, so you can't depend on it when it comes to any of these sexual ethos. But these five scriptures were written thousands of years apart to different cultures. This only shows us that some issues, and sexual ethics is one of them, supersede time and culture. Now let me help you. This is not popular. But just because it's not popular, we as a church cannot change what the Bible says just because it becomes inconvenient or because it seems to be out of step to some in today's culture. Okay? we got to stand still where the Bible stands and tells us to stand still. You know what I'm saying? So we got to understand that. But even with all that going on, we can come in here, we know the, the, the issues are incredibly complex, and we don't have all the answers. We don't have all the answers, and I'm not going to be able, I'm not going to say, we figured this thing out. It's too complex and too overwhelming. But I think there is something we can all agree on that we do know. And that's that every person needs to be treated with dignity, kindness, and respect regardless of what they are attracted to, what they believe, or how they decide to live their lives. That we as disciples have to agree upon. So where do we start? We feel that everything starts with a heart of love. You know, John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and what? Truth and in truth. Our love is never more tested than when we are confronted with having to live it out in hard, scary, or unknown situations. For many of us, this issue is all of those things. Especially when it hits home. We as disciples should, as the Bible teaches, be known for our what? Love. That can be challenging 
But that is God's expectation of us. Right? This does not mean abandoning our biblical convictions. What God calls for in Scripture, we must follow. But I wonder if sometimes we slant our understanding based on our backgrounds and biases. This is something I know I had to work through as a Christian. As a person who grew up in the inner city, I had my feelings on this topic that I thought were righteous. And it wasn't addressed in the church to change it. So it stayed with me. And so one of the things we get to talk about as parents of LGBT children is all the stuff we did horribly wrong in the beginning. And all the ways we drove our children away from us. And had a lot of stuff we had to rebuild. Because we had to repent. And then see how God has worked when we got the humility. Just in the relationship. I don't know if they'll ever become Christians. Do you know what? That's not my job. I think the Bible says God gives the increase. Even though we like to think we do it. (laughs) Or we know when it's going to happen. He said God does the increase. You just keep planting and watering. And then shut up. (laughs) You know? And so I don't know what's going to happen. But I know if I can do this heart of love. If anything changes in their life. The first place they don't want to come to is here. And if we're not still alive. And they see my church like that, the first place they're going to run to when mommy and daddy are gone is the place they grew up in and mommy and daddy's church. And that's going to protect them from all the garbage that's in the world because I know my church will take care of it. Because it's full of disciples who love. Does that make sense to you? So we need to start with that love. Great resource. Talk about was carrying behind the margins. You really... Um, if you haven't seen it, that's what the book looks like. Um, you can get out there on and online. For those of y'all that have been supporting Strength and Weakness, we are super grateful for your support. It wouldn't make it without the support of the churches. Um, and there are just there are thousands that have been helped because of your kindness, your prayers, your giving. Um, and I know there are thousands more waiting to be helped. Um, Deb and I work with over 200 families right now uh, around the world. And it becoming the fastest growing part of strength and weakness. Uh, because so much of it is parents and families, there are more of us dealing with that issue um, more openly. And so we're having to help us wade through those waters of how we build an environment that helps them see Jesus more than our thought of what they're into. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, but as we go through and deal with these complex situations, we go ahead and ask the question. What's the difference between someone who is gay versus someone who is same-sex attracted? We believe that disciples should not see themselves as gay or homosexual. Why? Because a homosexual, a person that considers himself gay or homosexual, is someone who celebrates the homosexual lifestyle and identifies himself as gay. It is not a moral issue to them. The term homosexual is a badge, a self-proclaimed identity marker. It denotes a way of life and thinking. Okay? 
Whereas the same sex and same sex attraction, on the other hand, is a term we use to describe people who do not identify themselves as homosexual. They do not celebrate that lifestyle. They do not participate in it. They do not give in to their homoerotic temptations. And they gladly and willingly submit something that feels very natural to them to following the biblical sexual ethic. And therefore are not a homosexual, they're just same-sex attracted. We're trying to help disciples understand that for those who live outside of the heterosexual mainstream, that their identity is not that, it is Christ. Their value and worth to God or the kingdom or their families and friends or their community is not based on what they're sexually or emotionally attracted to, but it's based rather on who Christ has made them to be. That's important distinction. We're trying to help people understand that the opposite of homosexuality is not heterosexuality. The opposite of homosexuality is holiness. And we should all as disciples be striving for holiness. God wants to use this weakness to perfect them and us and keep all of us humble. And that in the grand scheme of things, we feel God is much less concerned with what our sexual orientation is or our attraction. He's concerned with our commitment to him. He's concerned about our purity, our righteousness, our holiness, and our godliness, and our love. Then the goal, the goal then is not to become heterosexual. The goal is to be holy. Okay? And so, people ask, and this is, a, this is an interesting topic, is... Homosexuality genetic. Now, bottom line, we have no clue. We don't know. We don't know. There are complex combination of factors that go on. And honestly, things that can influence it from sins of the past, sins committed against people, Um, situations, bad decisions, unhealthy relationships with parents, uh, just a ton of stuff. And and we just don't know. Science has not yet proven that there's a genetic cause. And nor has the Bible provided an answer specifically. Except that we were all born into a broken and sinful world. And all of us display our areas of brokenness in different forms. That's That's what we can know. You know, the American, the, the American psychiatric group says that what they have said is that there are, they, they are unsure. I'm moving around here. This is what I love when I'm playing with my little bitty thing. Although, although much research has been examined on the possibility, the hormone development, social or cultural influence on sexual behavior, no findings have emerged. That's from the American Psychological Association that permits scientists to conclude that sexual orientation is determined by any particular factor or factors. That's what they say. They don't know. They don't know. We don't know. But here's what I can say. That's all academic. 
Now, I can understand people can argue that they were born gay. Why? Because, why do they argue that? Because every piece of them tells them that they were. Why? Let me tell you. We have never spoken to someone who woke up one morning and simply decided to be attracted to the same sex. Let me add, let me add this to Nothing gives us the right to sin. Okay? Even if people were born gay or born with same gender attraction, Jesus still calls us to live for him and not to allow ourselves to be mastered by any temptation. For the bottom line is this. Our ability to choose supersedes genetics. Our ability to choose supersedes genetics. Even if we did discover there's a gay gene somewhere, that wouldn't permit someone to live any way they wanted to. We all have the ability to choose differently through the power of Jesus. Amen. Because that would say that all of a sudden I found that I have a genetic predisposition, pre, pre, predisposition to lying. Okay? Does that excuse me from not following scriptures? No. 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 So just because there's a genetic, there, even if there was one, that doesn't supersede the call for us to choose Holiness. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. But there are some things that we understand, though, as we take a stance on very, very strongly, is that we support the rights of gay and transgender people to pursue their dreams. As a ministry, we support the, the chance for them to pursue their dreams. But there are those who believe that living a gay life style is not compatible with the, their values, and those are the values of Jesus. And they have the same rights to choose as any other person. See, because what the gay world wants to say is, we shouldn't put that on people. We're saying, no, you don't want to play by our rules. You're going to get dignity, respect, and love. You can choose what you want to choose. Just understand the consequences. But we get to choose what we want to choose too. That's what my brother, same-sex attracted, unwanted same-sex attracted brothers and sisters are saying. Don't fault me because I choose to follow God. Because that's my standard. He's not your standard. And I'm going to hold you to your standard. I'm not going to hold you to my standard until you choose it. That makes sense? Yeah. And I think that's important to understand. But then people say, well, can, can a person change? Is change possible? I believe absolutely it's possible. Because anything is possible with who? God. God. But remember, the goal that God has for our lives is not that we won't have problems and weaknesses. His goal is for our lives is that we know Him. Right? How many of you have no problems in your life? Please raise your hand. How many of you have no struggles in your life? Please raise your hand. How many? This is an example, and it's not. They can't see that on tape. Okay, I'm showing you what it means to raise your hand. How many of you live a life without sin? You're purified of those sin. You still fight with it. Okay. 
What did Jesus say? He without sin. Why don't you throw that first stone for me, baby? Let's watch you do that. But change is possible. So often change does not come in the way we wish it would, though. You know, change for Guy was, has been being able to go from cowering in silence, living a homosexual lifestyle, to building a ministry like Strength and Weakness. And impacting thousands of people. But there are some things I want us to consider as we try to support and help same-sex attracted Christians. I'm going to run through these pretty fast. Um, if you want a deeper dive in all these, get the tape from this morning. And then I'm going to talk, I want to spend some more time on what I think is really foundational as we help our families and our friends, uh, and definitely Christians in the church with same-sex attraction. But run just first one I talked about, I think what we need to consider and be sure of, we uphold the biblical sexual ethic. We don't, we don't water down Bible. Okay? And I talked about that. I think the next thing is understanding that homosexuality is not the worst sin that exists in the world. You know, we are people who understand all sin makes you fall short of the glory of God. But we can be tempted because of our backgrounds and past to view it in a whole different light. And laugh about being a prideful dog. Which I see is incredibly grievous sin while condemning someone who may be struggling with same-sex attraction. But we know God abhors all sin. And where there's a need for forgiveness no matter what the sin was you did. Now, the result of a given sin may have different severity. But that doesn't make the sin more severe or not. Is that not our theology it can't be our theology it's got to be our life and our conviction and how we look at and live in real world situations the same sex attraction is not a choice there are, we have not found and I have not dealt with any same sex attracted person who one day woke up and said you know what I'm going to start liking other men I'm just going to do that and be hated by a whole lot of people. We just haven't met anybody like that. Actually, I've not met anybody who made a choice to love the opposite sex or be attracted by them. <laughs> just kind of, you know, we don't ever think about that side, though, by the way. You know, I didn't wake up one day saying, I'm going to like me some girls. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't make a choice of of why I'm specifically attracted to Deb. Now you can look at her and know that, but I'm just saying, she was one of a group of people. Why was it that she stood out and they didn't, and I didn't know him? It just happened. Now, it was a good choice. Been married 38 years. I'm fired up. You know, she raised me. You know. She'll tell anybody, you want the best husband in the world? Raise him yourself. She met me at 19. Oh, wow, I like that. I, I chased her till she caught me. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's a whole different class. Okay? But understand, same thing is not a, it's not a choice. They didn't just wake up and change. And so, but because of that, don't think that you're going to be able to just say, hey, flip back. Pray hard. 
You don't have enough faith. Do this, do that. You got to listen to my tape to feel all stupid things we've heard people say. But that's not going to happen. It's much more complicated. It's that complicated for you. But it's not a choice. Have realistic expectations. You know, it's not our responsibility to change someone's sexual orientation. Nor should it be our goal. It is, if the Lord sees fit to bring about a change in what someone is attracted to, then praise holy God. But understand that your friend or disciple or family member may very well be attracted to the same gender for the rest of their lives. And that's fine. The Lord's not concerned about what we are attracted to. What he is concerned about is how obedient we are in the midst of our different temptations. The goal for anyone who lives with unwanted same-gender attractions is not heterosexuality. It's, as I said before, holiness. Help them to love the freedom they have every day to no longer be slaves to their emotions, be slaves to their temptations, and to choose another path for their lives by following Jesus. Help them in their daily walk to be self-controlled, prayerful, obedient to God, regardless of what their emotions, hormones, or feelings are telling them. And let me tell you, who in this room can't relate to that on any attraction level? Just because I'm attracted to women don't mean I go after all women. I'm called to love one woman. And give myself fully to her. If I'm married to her. That doesn't give me an excuse either. See sometimes we, we, we bound things over here. That we don't realize we fighting the same stuff over here. I'm moving my hands back and forth for those of y'all on the tape. From left to right. All right. But understand. We've got to have realistic expectations. The next one is help them to see themselves as God's. Sees them. So many times, voices in their head are telling them they can't be loved. They need to hide. Uh, people won't like me. Uh, I'll never be different. I can't do this. All those voices that come through their head. We got to help our brothers and sisters see no, you got to have God's identity. You're God's child. You are part of, you are one of His holy nation, holy priesthood. You are, you are loved by God. You are cherished by God. You are honored by God. Your identity comes from God Himself. You gotta start to see yourself as God sees you and not as the world wants you to be seen or some well-meaning brothers and sisters who don't know how to help you see that. But I know all kind of brothers and sisters struggle with their identity in Christ. And don't see who we get to be through the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. But we got to help that because Satan is trying to lie and tell them, no, don't come up with, don't talk about, they won't like you if they know what, that you struggle with that. And there are brothers and sisters in churches today that are scared to let anyone around them know they struggle with same-sex attraction. Let me help you. It's, it's a shame that in the church of our Lord Jesus, anybody is afraid to share who they are when they know they're struggling. It's a shame. But we also got to be sensitive and thoughtful in our communication. You know, 
well-meaning Christians said a whole lot of crazy things. I will tell you some of them. I mean, they've tried to help people by telling them wear tighter pants, date more girls, play more sports. Some would say, hey, look at heterosexual porn. That'll help you. Pray harder. You just need to have more faith. Yeah, I wish I could say I was joking. That's, this is real life things we have been told that people have been told. First one I said, wear tighter pants. Yeah, don't, don't even go there. All right? But please understand the sexual identity issues are very multi layered and complex. If you're helping somebody who has a lifetime of experiences in this and thoughts and emotions, and that for them, this is very real. Just a naive, off-the-cuff, you know, typical spiritual boilerplate answer to such an emotional, multifaceted issue can be hurtful and offensive. And we need to be sure that we are, we are thoughtful in our communication. We just need to let people know we love them, we're there for them, we don't have all the answers, but we're going to work through this with them. Amen. Through the power of Jesus. Amen. Create an environment to be open and transparent. Um, you know, you just got to work on a way for them to feel like they'll be accepted no matter what. Just like we want to be accepted no matter what we get into. And find the help and the healing to help us become what we know God wants us to be. There's got to be a safe place. You got to be a place that says, you know, I'm not going to freak out just because you tell me that. You know, be confidential, be a safe place, and then teach them to have healthy same-gender friendships. A lot of people in, in, out of a same-sex attracted background don't know how to have healthy same-sex friendships and relationships. Right. And sometimes that's what we can help model, you know, because they don't know, I don't know how to be around the same gender in that way. I never fit in. I never felt like I was like them. I don't do what they do. I don't know how to, you know, we can help show them by showing them our healthy relationships and give them a chance to learn. That makes sense? Yeah. Okay? Now, we start to bring this in for a landing, sort of, kind of, not really. There's some things we want to consider. I really believe there are three areas that we found, especially in the parenting ministry and in and a lot of the support groups as a whole that we consider bedrock to um, working with families or working with our own kids or working with same-sex attractive people. First thing is acceptance versus approval. Um, please understand, accept- acceptance does not equal approval. And a lot of times, especially in fundamentalist churches, we feel like they got to be the same. But we don't... But we don't no, in this area. Because we don't agree, we don't believe that in most other places in our life. Right. You know, acceptance just says, it's true, it's a fact. Like, I take it for what it is. Approval says, wait a minute, I take it for what it is, but I'm down for what you're doing. Let me tell you something, my kids understand, we accept them fully. But they know we don't approve. They know we believe that's not what we feel like from Scripture is the way God wants them to live their life. But they in no way feel unaccepted by us and loved by us. You got to weigh that in how your thing is. What are you conveying to people? What are you showing? You know, Jesus was a person who accepted and didn't approve of a lot of things, but he still went and ate with the sinners. And, you know, he got, he got clicked up for a hard time for hanging out with Zacchaeus and the boys. And he's like, you know, hey, you, you must be jacked up. You're hanging with the sinners. He said, well, how are they ever going to find out what the truth is? 
I mean, I accept where you are. I just don't approve. And I'm, but I'm the only one going to help him see there's another way. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Second thing, the super important. Why did that change on its own? Did y'all touch my stuff? It was that acceptance, wasn't it? Okay, I'm just checking. All right, let me make sure this thing ain't doing something on my neck. The second thing is build bridges and not barriers. Oh, goodness. Let me tell you something. Deb and I built so many barriers that we had to hire about five construction companies, a demolition crew, and then we, we really went to the feds and bought a bomb to break down those walls because uh, we built that sucker thick. <laughs> um, when we talk about building bridges and not barriers, what it really comes down to um, is before you say something, before you do something, before you react to something, stop and think, am I getting ready to build a bridge or a barrier? There are many times we realize we had to learn that, man, we're hearing something because our, our kids were very open. You know, and we've always taught that. They felt like we can talk to you about anything. And so we didn't want to stop that because I couldn't have them going to talk about anything to somebody I don't know. I got I had control the advice coming back to my kids. You know? And so they would say things, and we sit there. And you, if you're a parent, you ever heard something from your kid that makes you ready to freak? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You ever had your kids say something that you did freak? Yeah. Freak's not good. Because no. uh, they get enough of that, they stop telling you. Yeah. And when they stop telling you, we're in a mess. And so there are many times we had to listen to stuff and sit there and kind of, you know, act like we were sitting in Vegas at a poker table. And uh, and then when they left, go upstairs, close the door, and lose our minds. Cry, scream, spit, snort, and pray. But, but we had to make a conscious decision that we've got to be sure we're building Bridges and not barriers. I said it earlier. I don't know what life is going to bring their way between now and the time they die. You know, when the scripture said, and when they are old, when is old? That's true. And it's, that's not a guarantee scripture, by the way, but if it was, when is old? Old may not be while I'm around. So let's say they get in their 60s and 70s and go, whoa, this is wrong. My question is, where are they going to turn? They're going to go back to wherever there was a bridge. Right? And I want to make sure that bridge is to a church that teaches what I know to be the truth. And not somewhere that says, it's alright, baby. You alright like you are. Jesus loves everybody. You ain't got the change. I don't need them going there. Now, they're smart enough to know that. That's why they don't go to any other church. They know what we teach is the truth. They just choose not to follow. Our kids got that conviction, and they will fight you down to say, "Uh, uh, 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 that stuff ain't right." No, no, we ain't living that, but that stuff ain't right. They'll fight it. And so we got to be sure: are we building those bridges and with the disciples in our lives? Because if they don't feel like they can talk, if they every time we talk you freak out or you say something harsh and you do this. They'll go underground too. Why would I keep going somewhere I get beat up? We don't need to be beat up in the church. 
being to be loved, cared for, corrected, rebuked. That's not beat up, by the way. And helped by through Scripture to be like Jesus. And finally, we need to be able to, to practice unconditional love. And I, I really want to give you a definition of that that I think Deb and I have had to realize in our life. That unconditional love says that I will love you in spite of, regardless to, and without expectation of what you will do or what you have done. Let me say that again. Unconditional love says that I will love you in spite of, regardless to, without expectation of what you will do or have done. That's unconditional love. That's the love of Jesus. I'm going to love you no matter your past. I'm going to love you no matter your present. And I'm going to love you no matter what you'll choose in the future. That's what we're called to be. And let me tell you, it's challenging. Because most, if not all of us, have never been in that kind of relationship with someone on this earth. Yeah. And we, either as the receiver or the giver. And I know that's a bold statement. But think about it. We have conditions on everything. That's why sometimes our poor little kids think you don't love them. Because you're happy with them when they get an A, but you're mad as all get out when they get an F. Kids translate that as love, by the way. You just started building conditions. The only way I can make mommy and daddy love me is if I do good, be good, act right. That make sense? Unconditional love. That's important. It's, it is we, what we as disciples have. I mean, so many times, especially if you have LGBT kids and you raise them up in the kingdom, you know, we were raising our kids to be disciples. That was it. I mean, that's why we have Jesus don't give me a kid if he doesn't become a Christian. Right? Right? Yeah. All right, what am I going to do now? Because right. I got an adult who ain't a Christian. But that was it, especially in the ministry. I'm thinking, oh man, if your kids don't get right, you could lose your job. And my kids stayed underground for a long time because they were scared of what would happen to me. Praise God, I was in a church that never made me feel that. They loved me and my kids through all of this. But we got to understand, we've got to be people who sit there and say, no, Deb and I had to decide, I'm not raising my kids to be disciples. I'm going to build an environment that helps them know Jesus so they can make a decision. But I'm raising my kids to be my kids. Because then, if you don't become a disciple, now you're going to feel like you failed mommy and daddy. You're not any good. You're not who they raised you to be. What have I done to their relationship? Hey, anyway, they've got to make a decision to follow Jesus like I did. Because who gives the fruit? God gives the increase. How am I going to control that anyway? I'm trying to do God's part, which means I ain't spending enough time on my part. So I'm going to build the environment, do the best. But hey, at the end of the day, you're going to be my kid no matter what you decide. I'm going to make you take confidence in that. You are a flat dab bone. At the end of the day, you a bone. You pick right, you pick wrong. You still mine. 
We had to flip on that. Now, that ain't popular. Some of y'all got some looks on your faces like, boy, I ain't know if I want to deal with that. That's all right. Do what you got to do. I'm just saying for me and my household. My goal is to give them the best opportunity. I can't make them something. I can't make them choose. And maybe this is what's going to help them to see God's the best answer. But I don't know because I can't see. I can see no further than the last second. Hold on that one for a minute. Eh? Uh huh. And so we get into this thing. We got to love unconditionally. We got to care unconditionally. We got to decide. I'm going to make it so that I've helped to build the best environment for the power of God to work in their lives. And then when God works, we know that's going to stick, baby. Okay. I made it. It's one minute till. Um, that's my wife and I's information uh, you can pick a picture also I have cards at the resource table over there um, down the end of the hall if you want to grab one of my cards with the inf- more information of our stuff and emails and that kind of thing my wife is always the one you want to talk to um, I just get to be up here in the microphone no just kidding um, but strengthandweakness.org you can get to get to the whole ministry from there uh, incredible to read the stories of each of our ministry uh, uh, executive staff. Their emails are there if you have any specific things you want to deal with. Uh, Deb and I do run a parenting ministry, um, and that's the URL at the bottom. That if you are a parent dealing with same sex attraction in your family, LGBT child, um, you can join our support group. It's very confidential. Um, you know, and you can be from anywhere to do it, but there is a registration because we vet every person that comes in through it because of confidentiality. And uh, if you know any of the people who are in our same so- our, our support group, they will not give you the call information. Um, you'll have to get it this only this one way. Then you have access to different information on an ongoing basis. And if you run into parents like that, send them our direction. The only thing we ask is that they understand this is biblically based. It is faith based. We're not dealing with the thoughts of the world. So we deal as a, a Christian parent dealing in this issue and in this space. That makes sense? Yes. Um, so I hope this has added um, value to you. I hope that it has helped you. I would take questions, but it's now after four. And I'll be around. I'm here till tomorrow. If you want to talk, you can email me, set up a time to talk. Um, we can talk one-on-one on the phone. Whatever you guys want to do, Strength and Weakness is here to help. We can come to your church and do various workshops. Some of y'all have seen some. Some of y'all haven't. We do. My wife and I do parent and family workshops. There are ones on support groups. There's all kinds of things that we have available. We're here to serve the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Thank you.